was just watching some clips of Comey in another interview today with USA Today, and then he's on. Uh, he's, he's doing every show in America, as a, a guest told us earlier. He's booked through May or something like that. And we have him in June, June fourth. I I don't for need, five minutes. I don't think I need to hear any more already. Yeah, I know. Let alone for the next couple of months. I'm good. I just I don't know. He's he's on Colbert tomorrow night. Yeah, that could be amusing. Yeah, that could be pretty good. As insufferable as Colbert can be, but you know, it but, could be funny. But Stephanopoulos sat down with him for five hours. I assume right. we heard the best stuff that and exists. And then distilled the best hour out of it. Plenty. Yeah. I'm full. Thanks. Uh, please welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show the fabulous Christina Sandifer, Executive Vice, Vice President for the Goldwater Institute. Uh, today to talk not about right to try, which has been her righteous crusade for quite some time, but uh, occupational licenses. Christina, how are you? Hey, good morning, guys. Doing well. Thanks for having me. This is a topic that we have uh, enjoyed talking to Tim Sandifer, your husband, about and, and enjoyed reading about in a couple of your books. Um, but people who are not hip to this think, well, well, yeah, you've got to have certified brain surgeons. Uh, occupational licenses makes a, a driver's license for for driving a, a truck full of chemicals, that sort of thing. How could you be against that? Well, help people understand the full width of uh, the fields covered. Yeah, you know, I think that's the problem. It's sort of like this bureaucratic inertia, right, that we experience. People can accept a certain degree of licensure. They can say, well, okay, yeah, you've got to get licensed to do something that might be really, really risky to the public health and safety. And we accept little by little. And eventually we have this growing trend where people are not allowed to work or start a business at all without first getting government permission. And it's become so pervasive that really if you look over the last 50 years, uh, in, in the 1950s, 1960s, about one in every 20 Americans was required to get permission to work. And most of those permission slips were for, for things that you were alluding to, you know, the medical profession, a brain surgeon, you know, things that, that we can kind of understand and that make sense. And today that number is one in five. So one in every wow. five Americans have to get an occupational license, a permission slip from the government in order to do their job. And as I always point out on these kind of stories, there's no reason to think that we're not going to continue in that trajectory, right. that it'll oh, be half, no. you know, in, in, by the end of my life, now, which, Chris, which could oh, be tomorrow absolutely. for all I know. Christina, this is your bailiwick, so I'll let you choose. Do you want to talk about why you think that really is or hit some examples? Well, gosh, I'd like to do both, but let's let me let me well, say we this. will. It's just a question of what order. <laughs> Well, let's 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 start with this. So, you know, when people think about exactly what types of professions are getting licensed and we go past, you know, the, the general health and safety, we go past the medical profession, whatever else. What's amazing is that over half of all state licensed occupations, so over half of all the jobs that require licenses in some state are only required to be licensed in one state. And so what I mean by wow. that is, you know, for example, uh, we're talking about things like graphic designers, uh, audio engineers, Braille instructors. If I want to be a Braille instructor, I have to get a license, a travel agent. I got questions about all these. I mean, how do you possibly justify needing a license to be an audio engineer? Well, you don't want to get the bass mixed up with the travel or your lab. <laughs> do you even know what mid-range is? <laughs> wow. But that's fascinating. So... In in like half the cases, a state gets a a, a a a state of arousal on for like some occupation, and they that's that's, yeah, that's crazy. That's exactly right. Well, and so the state of Louisiana, for example, is the only state in the United States to license florists, 
And this got challenged in court. And, you know, we, we laugh at that. Oh, my gosh, licensing florists. But when you, you know, when you think about it, the consequences can be really, really severe because people can be sent to jail or fined. Uh, you know, these are crimes for operating without a license. And, and the and, worst part, of course, you and your, your husband, Tim, Tim talks about this all the time. It keeps it makes it hard for people to get into the business. It makes it hard for people to earn a living. People who have skills that, you know, that might not have the money to be able to go to school or do other traditional forms of education. And, you know, this is the way that they put food on the table. And so in, in Louisiana, this florist license was challenged. And How about I alligator not- petting in Louisiana? Is that got to have a license for that? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry sure. I'm side-railing you. Yeah, come Very on. Important this is issue. important. That's why you should have to have a license to be a talk radio host. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, see, there, there you go. There you go. Well, so in Florida, the, the, you know, the government said, look, I, and they said this with a straight face, look, we've got to license these people to be florists because, you know, sometimes flowers are dirty and only the florists really know. That's the cry of freedom. That That makes me crazy. Yeah. And and the thing is, here's the here's the worst part of it, though. They they lost the freedom. The people fighting for freedom lost that case. Our side lost that case. The government won. The court said because courts and, you know, and you've heard us say this before you hear Tim say this all the time. The rule in America when it comes to occupational licenses is guilty until proven innocent. Business people or everyday people have to show to the government why they should be free to work without permission. And it is not the other way around. It is not that the government bears any sort of burden of proving why they should regulate. And that's why we get these pervasive licenses. And that's why in states like California and Arizona, you have to get a license to my, my favorite one, the one I've been working on lately. Uh, so absurd. If I want to blow dry hair, if I want to shampoo and blow dry somebody's hair, not color it, not cut it, you know, not permit, but blow dry it, I have to get government permission to do that. And if I don't, I can be sent to jail. I can be fined thousands of dollars. And to get that permission, by the way, it costs me about $15,000 in schooling. Good Lord. And about 1,000 hours. And get this, being trained in things like perming hair, cutting hair, dyeing hair, things that I don't even do. Right. Just to blow dry hair. Well, Well, washing hair is a gateway procedure. It often (laughs) leads to dying and the rest of it. You know, they have confiscated our rights and are selling them back to us. And the idea that the burden of proof is on the supposed free citizen of the land of the free is an obscenity. How much of it is a businesses just want to keep competition away so they come up with this? Or is it a cultural thing, which really bothers me, that so many of us actually think, you know what, the government probably ought to make sure they're okay before they start blow-drying hair? I, I think you got it right on both. I think it's both. The, you know, and the a cash grab. Thing. Yeah, well, when you think about it, you know, people, people assume if there's some sort of problem, they immediately assume these days that the government ought to be the one to fix it. And if there's some sort of danger or risk, even if we're just talking about quality control, they assume the government ought to be the one to step in and set standards. But, you know, keep in mind, a license doesn't mean that somebody's going to do a good job. It doesn't right. mean they're going to be properly trained. Interestingly enough, we talk about these blow-dry uh, stylists in the state of Arizona uh, you know, I, I mentioned you have to get tra- trained in all these things that you don't actually do for your job. But one of the things you do not have to do is pass a fir- first aid class. So people say, well, gosh, you know, it's about health and safety. You have to make sure that you don't get burned with the blow dryer or whatever else. Things that people, by the way, do in their homes every single day um, without any kind of special training. But they don't even have to take 
first aid classes. So I, you know, I think, I think there is a lot in the culture. People don't realize that, you know, the market makes decisions as to what services are quality. And in fact, quality itself is subjective. I, before I came on, I heard y'all talking about, you know, people eating tarantula burgers or whatever else. Frankly, that's not my cup of tea, but shouldn't be the government that makes that kind of decision that, you know, that is the type of thing that individuals are going to decide for themselves. Christina Sandifer, Executive VP of the Goldwater Institute. I'm afraid you're taking this too lightly because, as you know, we've met. I'm completely blind. Both of my eyes have been put out by unlicensed barbers wielding (laughs) scissors. Um, You know, Christina, the idea that if any standard should be enforced or if the public has any interest in quality in a field that we must go to the government and the government should be the arbiter of of standards. I mean, that was flawed reasoning back in the day. Now, in the age of Internet reviews and Yelp and Google reviews and Amazon and the rest of it, where you can get literally dozens to thousands of opinions on the quality of a good or service from your fellow man, now it's just completely ridiculous. The idea that, you know, uh, Joe's hair salon, you know, I, I burn the scalp of most of my customers or they ask for blonde hair and I give them green. I mean, that would be immediately known in a widespread way. And it's worse than that because you are absolutely right. If Joe's hair salon, you know, hurts people or even just does a bad job, right? You know, you, the, the blowouts aren't, aren't fashionable, whatever. Not as feathered as I was hoping. <laughs> immediately you will lose business because that, that knowledge will be prolific. Whereas government, on the other hand, the bureaucrats in charge of quality control here and of licensing these professions, they don't go out of business when they get it wrong. In fact... Good what point. do they do? They usually get more money, right? Yeah. Usually the agency's excuse for getting something wrong, for failing to regulate in a particular way, they say, look, it's because we, we didn't have enough resources, right? We don't have enough employees right. to pay attention to all this. We need more money. So government goes out, doesn't go out of business when it gets it wrong, but other businesses absolutely do. Well, here's, here's, this is the angle that bothers me the most, most and I wish mo- more people listened to Milton Friedman YouTube videos when they drove home like I do. But he, he's been talking about this. Um, well, he's dead now. But he used to talk about this. His voice and lives on, Jack. Even if you believe that there needs to be some sort of regulation of a business, why do you believe that it has to be a government organization? Let the barbers of America get together, establish their own group that they chip in a little bit of money to, and they give a accreditation or have a standard that you've got to meet or whatever. Why would you think that they wouldn't do at least as good a job, if not better, than the government would do with this? Bunch of bureaucrats oh. who don't give a crap. Right. That's exactly right. And, you know, and, you know, we laugh about this, but the thing is, it, it, we're saying that somebody doesn't need a license to do a business does not mean that their business is unimportant or that it doesn't require skill. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I, I think when we talk about blow dry stylists, it's insulting to them that they have to go to government and say, mother, may I, in order to get permission to do their job and prove to some bureaucrat that sits behind a desk all day that what they're doing is something that, you know, people would want and enjoy. Doesn't it matter to more people that the world was fine before? Does that not ever strike anybody? Everything was fine when we were a kid. Were people being blinded by barbers or having their toes cut off by pedicurists? Was was. that happening? No! No, everything was fine! This drives me crazy. But you're right about the anti-competitiveness. You you asked if if another reason for licenses was because people in the profession want to keep uh, competitors out. And that's absolutely become the case. The more that we license, now we have a constituency built into people who have those licenses, who had enough money or enough connections to be able to jump through those hoops. 
And now they can outlaw their competition, right? If I'm if I have a full cosmetology license and I could afford twenty thousand dollars for that schooling, it behooves me to go down to the legislature and say, hey, you ought to make it illegal for these people who are just blow drying and shampooing hair to do that without getting the full cosmetology license. Because, of course, then I can charge a lot more money. Right. I can also provide uh, services that aren't as good. You know, it's less competition. And I'll, I'll tell you, we've been trying to get rid of laws like this in states across the country. I was in a legislative hearing for six hours talking about getting rid of this blow dry requirement. Oh, my license. God. Yeah. And what were, were, were people arguing? What was the argument? And person after person, you know, is going up there. You've got all of these licensed cosmetologists. Of course, there are plenty of people arguing to get rid of the license, but you've got licensed cosmetologists coming to the legislature saying not only that people can't be trusted to blow dry hair without <laughs> government permission, but I kid you not that it keeps, they don't like that certain undesirable people are coming into the state, their terms, and competing with them, people from other countries, people from other states, they don't like that, and this license protects their jobs. I mean, I would be embarrassed to say something like that right. in public, but it's part of the public record, and it's it's the truth. I mean, that's what it's all about. And the, and the cultural shift that Jack was talking about, you were both talking about, I think is so fundamental to understanding this, and it's so discouraging because it's going to be the hardest thing to fix, is the idea that a a mammy, a, a a nanny, a parent of some sort, always the government, must supervise everything. And that the animated contest of freedom, to quote uh, various of the founding papas, is just too crazy. I mean, people offering up services to, to grow flowers or blow dry your hair willy-nilly. I mean, what would happen? Well, there's thousands of years of what would happen, and it's fine. But that yeah. cultural shift is hard to fight. When we treat adults like children that aren't capable of deciding for themselves, what we get is dependent children who not only can't make decisions for themselves, but totally lack responsibility. So, um, you know, they they don't go out then. You were mentioning how online we've got Yelp reviews and things like that. People can, can go online and decide for themselves. Well, when you've got the government deciding for you, when you've got the government telling you when something is good and when it isn't, you stop doing that kind of research, and eventually right. you just trust the government. And so that not only means that, you know, you're putting your trust in government and, you know, who knows what good if they're going to be able to do a good job, but it just means that you're giving up that responsibility. And, frankly, we're taking away people's humanity when we do that. Hey, I'm, I've decided on my new book I'm going to write, uh, The Infantilization of America. Do you want to co-write it with me? I, I, you got You're it. You're going to do most of the work. It's going to be a picture of Joe on the cover in a diaper. Yeah. I am not a licensed author, though. You feel comfortable working with me? You know, given the danger of, like, uh, uh, flawed ideas being in the public uh, domain, we probably should license authors and license yeah. journalists. The government should decide who gets to spread ideas. Hey, I tell you what. Anytime we can be of help on this subject, because this one drives me crazy, uh, give us well, a call. Absolutely will do. And we're, we're working in court and in the legislature to try to reverse this trend, essentially to get rid of this guilty until proven innocent trend and chip away at these licenses and, you know, just go with the presumption that, gosh, if people aren't harming anybody, maybe we ought to just trust them to do these hey, things. Hey, have you read that Frederick Douglass book that Tim Sandifer wrote? It's really good. I, I, I have, actually, yeah. It's I'm a, trying to get him to I, sign a copy for me. But, I recommend you know, it. Yeah, he'll probably make you buy it on Amazon. <laughs> Christina, <laughs> As all good capitalists would. Christina Sandifer, Executive Vice President of the Goldwater Institute. You should support the Goldwater Institute. As Jack said, uh, use us like garden tools, Christina. We're happy to help.
Hey, sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Great to talk to you. Thanks. To me, the most disturbing part is that the culture is wants this. That that's that's yeah. the part you can't change. People think, yeah, you're right. You probably shouldn't have somebody blow drying hair without the government deciding because whether or not they... there could conceivably be something bad that could happen. And even if there could be, even in why do you think the government's going to do a good job of weeding out who can do it and who can't? Based on everything else they do so well, right? Wake up, people! Wake up! So that's that. We talked to her for a long time, but that was really good. Yep. More to come. That scratched me where I itched. Uh, the The electric scooter share program in San Francisco, how is it working out? This person says it's a nightmare. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. How much time do we have, Michael? I need to know how much time I got. You got two minutes. Okay, perfect. I thought this guy Mulaney was funny as a host of Saturday Night Live. He's had a sitcom. I guess he's got huge stand-up following and Netflix specials that I've never seen before. My rhymingly named daughter, Delaney, really likes him. I thought he was funny. He was from Saturday Night Live. I was in, uh, I was in Connecticut recently doing white people stuff and... Really? Okay. And one day in Connecticut, it doesn't matter why, but I was sitting in a gazebo, and there was a plaque on the gazebo, and it said, this gazebo was built by the town in 1863. That's in the middle of the Civil War. And they built a gazebo. How did that town meeting work? They were like, all right, everyone, first order of business. We have all the telegrams from Gettysburg with the war dead. Let's see here. Okay, everyone's husband and brother, and everyone died. Okay. (laughs) Josiah, you had something? Yes, I do. How'd you like to be indoors and out of doors all at once? walking through the park with your betrothed and it starts to rain but you still want to hold hands well may i introduce you to and my condolences again to everyone the gazebo (laughs) i thought that was funny josiah you had a question (laughs) yes i do how would you like to be indoors and outdoors all at once (laughs) you know that's funny that reminds me we don't have much time do we we don't we don't none of us do all we've got is this moment Really? What about the next moment? I was looking forward to it. It's gone. <laughs> All right. It's a funny note from history I've got for you. Okay, Come what's up. coming up in your news, Marshall? We are going to take another look at James Comey's interview from last night. He recalls the first time he met Donald Trump. Okay. Coming up, minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. I thought his tie was too long, among other things. Looked like he fake-baked to me. Yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And why are you commenting on that? You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm telling you, I think this Comey thing does not have the legs that he thinks it does. Unlike him, the lanky fella. What did he get paid for the advance? Ton? I don't know, but they printed 800,000 of the things. And printed. It's yeah. a number one New York Times bestseller, and it 
for a certain crowd, it'll be a book you need to have on your coffee table to signal how you feel about the world. He'll make millions. He will make millions. I don't know millions. what the advance was. But, but uh, God dang it, if he's scheduled to do interviews through May, I, I just, I'm not sure he's going to make it till Wednesday in terms of holding people's attention. News now with Marshall Phillips. Well, President Trump continues taking aim at former FBI Director James Comey on Twitter this morning. Trump accused Comey of lying under oath and committing many crimes. Those comments coming after Comey blasted Trump during his interview last night on ABC's 2020. A person who sees moral equivalence in Charlottesville, who talks about and treats women like they're pieces of meat, who lies constantly about matters big and small and insists the American people believe it, that person's not fit to be president of the United States on moral grounds. Our president must embody respect and adhere to the values that are at the core of this country, the most important being truth. This president is not able to do that. He is morally unfit to be president. And yet he is the president, so what are you going to do? During the interview, Comey recalled the first time he met President Trump. He had impressively coiffed hair that looks to be all his. I confess I stared at it pretty closely. And my reaction was, must take a heck of a lot of time in the morning. His tie was too long, as it always is. He looked slightly orange up close with small white um, half moons under his eyes, which I assume are from tanning goggles. Dude. Wow, wow that's, a, that's a constitutional crisis. <laughs> Your attempt to be above it all kind of comes to a halt when you start in on that conversation, dude. Um, Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've been thinking for the last several days. Why is why doesn't uh, the president just take the high road, just ignore it, just be above it all? But it's it's he obvious. That, well, number one, he can't, and B, it's a symbiotic relationship. The two of them need each other, or at least they're enjoying each other. So Trump com- whips up sales of the book. Comey whips up support among uh, the president's supporters. So Comey either put that stuff in there just to sell books, or he was incredibly unwise because it right. it really hurts his argument of. I'm uh, for all that is good and right with discourse in America. Yeah, I'm surprised he's not doing his uh, interviews in shining armor. (laughs) Former Clinton media strategist person for her campaign was on one of the Fox shows yesterday, and and she was supporting Comey and blasting Trump. But she said, when he starts talking about what, when Comey starts talking about what he thinks Trump's marriage is like, what is that? Selling bugs. Guessing what somebody else's marriage is like. I mean, what the hell is that from the former FBI director? Now, on the other list, the the list of things of why he's morally unfit. And Trump does, you know, a lot of these things more often and to to more of an extent than I think we've ever had. But we've had lots of presidents treat women like meat. I mean, lots of presidents. Lying? Are you kidding? I mean, (laughs) let's... That that's not uncommon. Again, he does this more often, perhaps than than a lot of people did it on more topics. But uh, Trump's morality is oceans away from my own. I agree with Comey to a large extent, but I'm more interested in the policies, really, and the people voted, and we knew what he was when we picked him up. The, as best, the old saying goes. The best thing Comey said as an American over the weekend was. He's against impeachment. He wants the people to decide whether or not they want a yep. president like this. Mm-hmm. And that is the way this is, I think, going to end up being handled. Yep. Plagued by cost overruns and construction delays, California's Crony Express is now facing a federal audit. Please. The federal Before ra- they screw California taxpayers out of any more money. 
The Federal Railroad Administration's announced it's going to go through the bullet trains books. With the 5150 to Los Angeles. I like that new nickname for it. <laughs> with a fine-tooth comb. That is because the project has received $3.5 billion so far in federal grants. The estimated cost of the L.A. to San Francisco uh, rail now tops $77 billion. That's uh, about- that, If it was something that was going to work and people wanted, it would be a crime. Because you claimed it was going to cost X right. and now it's four times X. So it'd be a crime even if people wanted it and it was going right. to work. But people don't want it and it's not going to work. So you add that on top of it, and you get you really got a mess. And seventy-seven billion is still hilariously optimistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, hilariously guaranteed over a hundred billion, probably a hundred fifty. Never be built. Well, that's right. Yeah, in a parallel universe where they where the government is so utterly corrupt and the people are so utterly uninformed that they do build it, it'll be a hundred fifty billion at least. And more proof that sitting is the new smoking. Turns out sitting for long periods of time, bad for you, and it may be worse than previously thought. While it causes problems with the cardiovascular system, there's a new study from UCLA that found sitting for long periods of time could negatively affect the part of the brain related to creating new memories. Oh, wait a minute. That could be a precursor to problems later in life like early dementia. So far, the study only suggests correlation, not causation. The research published in the journal Plus One. I rarely sit at all. It's the only thing I've got going for me. I hope all these studies turn out to be true. God, I had a bad eating weekend. You know why? How's come? You know why? Because my wife brought donuts into our domicile, and they are my kryptonite. I do not have the ability to say no to a fresh donut from a donut shop. I just can't. One last note, Huey Lewis canceling all of his scheduled 2018 tour dates due to hearing loss. He needs oh a new drug, one that helps him hear. Wow. Statement posted to his Twitter and Facebook Rather pages. Rather comment. The man has lost one of his senses. Yeah, pages over the weekend. Lewis <laughs> revealed that a couple of months ago he lost most of his hearing, adding, I cannot hear music well enough to sing yeah, anymore. Yeah, that happens for a lot of people that play in bands. I Raj mean, Daltrey uh, from the stage, uh, I think he was in Stockton, actually, beautiful Stockton, California, said the other day to the f- folks, I can't hear anything. I'm reading lips. I don't know how you sing. I think he can probably hear tones, um, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, he was the, the lead the singer in the, band. in the world's loudest rock and roll yeah. band. Well, and Pete is is very deaf. Pete Townsend. Before the anybody thought of like wearing, you know, any sort of ear protection, I guess I don't know how they physically did it. Yeah, back in the day, I think it'd just be painful. Yeah. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of a nation. Oh, I'm sorry, Squawky. That's <laughs> eh, a good eagle. So here's your charming historical note. Speaking of the gazebos. Or gaze bows, as I prefer to pronounce it. <laughs> uh, so I, I came across the account of one uh, Alma Bell, who killed her lover in 1909 in Auburn, California. Shot him in the belly because he'd promised to marry her and was running around with other women. So she killed him. She was a hottie. 1809 version. And I happen to be reading... Um, 1809? 18, uh, 1909. Okay. Uh, but she was a hottie. I'm looking at her picture right now. Attractive gal. Um, but there, I was reading a newspaper article uh, from the time about the news coverage of the time 
And all the locals were getting outraged because the big city newspapers were writing these wildly fictionalized fake news versions of the killing and the trial. And the Sacramento Bee actually had a big editorial about how they ought to cut it out because it's unsavory and disreputable and and unethical. But it was flaming fake news in 1909. About an unimportant matter just to sell papers. Yeah. Yeah, just trying to make it more dramatic and, and interesting for the readers. But Yellow journalism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, he promised to marry her. And uh, he was running around, and the jury acquitted her. Uh, a reason of insanity, they called it insanity. But back then, the uh, the morals of the thing was, if you promise a gal you're going to marry her, you marry her. Don't be running around, or you're going to get a slug in your belly. Wow. I hope, I hope Huey gets his hearing back. I'll bet he doesn't, though. Most of your big, most of your professional musicians have terrible hearing. Yeah. Wow. You gotta wear earplugs. When I when I the brief time I was in a band, I wore earplugs when we practiced and everything. Yeah, you gotta find the right ones when you go. I'm going to a, a rock concert at a rock club in a couple of weeks, and yeah, I'll have the plugs handy. You can actually hear the music better. I found. Really? It, it's not so much of a roar. Mm. You can actually hear what they're playing. Uh, the petering out is how we uh, describe the last portion of the show where we really just go through the motions. That's next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, my final thoughts on the whole Comey book, Russia investigation, Trump, etc., etc. On my mind for a couple of reasons. I was just looking at this... uh, Mentioned in USA Today, uh, a number of Republicans over the weekend, uh, Republican leaders, including uh, Paul Ryan, saying don't fire Mueller or Rosenstein. And <clears throat> I believe it's pronounced Raisinstone. And the uh, the various talk about constitutional crisis and this yeah. and that. And... Um, whether or not he fires the special counsel, Bob Mueller. And so I started going back into old Watergate stuff because Nixon had the special counsel fired when he was being investigated for Watergate. And so I got sucked back into all these videos and interviews with Woodward and Bernstein and all this sort of stuff. And here's, here's, what, I've, here's what I've concluded. The whole Watergate thing as a constitutional crisis and threat to America is way overrated. Way overrated. The system worked perfectly well. Right. The guy was guilty and should have been booted out of office, but it worked fine. But he fired the special counsel. He And what happened immediately? And for instance, the term <laughs> Saturday Night Massacre, whoever coined that overwrought term, right. yeah. in which he told his attorney general to attorney general to fire the special counsel and the attorney general said I resign, I won't do it. And then the deputy attorney general he said fire the special counsel and that guy resigned said I won't do it. 
And then the third guy in line fired him and then resigned. And that made all the Republicans say, well, obviously we can't have a president who does this sort of thing. Just like what Paul Ryan and Trey Gowdy and Lindsey Graham are saying about Trump now, you can't fire the special counsel. If you do that, that'll be going too far. And during Nixon's fifth term when he suspended the Bill of Rights right, and exactly. opened the prison camps. Exactly. Oh, that's right. No, everybody said that's no good, and we booted his ass out. Exactly, and when and when he, he was told to turn over the tapes and he refused, the Supreme Court voted eight to nothing. You got to turn over the tapes. The system worked fine. We were in no threat whatsoever of Richard Nixon taking over the country or becoming a dictator or any of those things. And the same is, it's even more true for Trump. If he's guilty of these things, we'll find out and we'll either vote him out of office or he'll be impeached. It will be fine. The system is fine. I agree completely. I've been saying that for the longest time, that stupid Hitler comparisons and the rest of it are ridiculous. Sean, you and I are going to work together after the show. When Jack said, the system worked fine, he sounded so much like Janet Napolitano. <laughs> the system worked. That, that clip of mine, we've got to have the two of them side by side. I mean, it was like the same pitch. It was strikingly similar. So we'll work on that for tomorrow's show. <laughs> the, system the system worked. <laughs> We've been through this before, and everybody rallied around very quickly, including the president's own party, with a president who won 49 states just a year earlier. His own party said, nah, you can't do this. You got to go. We're in no danger. And this, our current president is hated by half of his own party. (laughs) Right. So we're in no danger whatsoever of a, quote, constitutional crisis. You're going to sell zero commercials on MSNBC with that claptrap of yours. None. So, You've got to whip it up. So, it's the greatest constitutional danger ever faced. So, hey, Brian Williams, stop with the tone of voice that we're just this close to destroying the country. It will all be taken care of. We've got a system for it, and it works fine. It's irresponsible. It's unhealthy. It's not surprising that, you know, media would take that take, because they do. And they will. But it's still, it's, it's uh, you know, you talk about uh, morally unfit. How about that? Constantly whipping people up thinking that the Trump prison camps are about to open. Come on. <laughs> well, I like, like again, again, I think the most important thing Comey said was wait for the election. People will vote him out if they think he's the, you know, bad enough guy. So there you go. That's what we'll do. Can't wait to talk about that for two years. I tell you what, the, the end result of the so-called Russia investigation is going to be some weird New York real estate charge that has nothing to do with nothing. And something like that, I'll bet, comes out, but it'll have nothing to do with Russia. Final thoughts with A-N-G. Man, as a guy who liked 70s soft rock, that really scratches me where I itch. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Wow, let's get a final thought from everybody. Positive, Sean, final thought. Yeah, I've been snacking on pistachios all morning, and sometimes I'll find a pistachio shell without a pistachio in it, and I get sad. But then later on, I'll find a pistachio without a shell, and I get happy. And if that's not a metaphor life, I don't know what is. There you go. <laughs> Makes you stop and think. Marshall Phillips, final thought. I rediscovered the romance of weeding over the weekend. And I got to tell you, it really makes you feel good after you cleaned out a certain portion of your backyard and got looking good again. You know? Wait, how much is that deep in our in our genetics yes. to weed? Yeah. Because it is very satisfying. Yeah, indeed. You enjoy weed, Michael. Michelangelo, final thought. <laughs> Hey, uh, James Comey will have a short-lived TV talk show where he'll interview celebrities. It will go down with the Magic Hour and Chevy Chase show as one of the worst shows ever. (laughs) Wow, there's a prediction. Jack, do you have a final thought for us? I mean, so I guess Trump started it, but so now you got Comey trying to be above it all, talking about the guy's tie length. Mentioning as often as he possibly can hookers peeing on each other, making fun of the guy's hair and skin color. 
I don't know where we can go from here unless we're just making flatulent noises. Well, it's funny you should say that, Jack, because my final thought is last night, my dog Baxter unleashed more gas than PG&E. It was a spectacular display of flatulence, one I will never forget. Quit feeding your dog Papa John's pizza. He's going to the vet today, and by God, if they don't cure him, something has to be done. Cork. We'll live in a gazebo (laughs) so the air can flow freely. You know what dog I found out is most famous for that sort of thing? What's that? The pug. Oh, boy. (sighs) You wouldn't think something that weighs eight pounds can clear a room like that, but he sure can. It's ugly and it stinks. Wow. Where do I get one? (laughs) Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people, thanks so little time. Go to armstrongandgettyradio.com, would you please? You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Text, follow us on the Twitter. Send us what we ought to be talking about. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye songs for people in their 30s called Tonight's No Good. How about Wednesday? Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West. America.